Hey guys, this is Anna. So before we get today, get on with the show today, let's hear from our sponsor. Hey everybody, this is Anna. So yeah, we definitely got quite a bit to talk about today. So yeah, we're just actually going to go straight in and dive in, you know. So actually the very first thing I want to do is a little, is just a very brief note of housekeeping. Um, so I just found out that Acast which is a podcast platform. Um, they are not updating my podcast. So like new episodes are not being um, updated to be put on that platform. I have no idea what's going on. Um, but we're going to try to figure it out so that new episodes show up on Acast. And also I am still trying to get my show on Stitcher. But we'll, we'll see um, I'll let you all know whenever the show finally gets on to Stitcher. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give those very brief notes, some housekeeping notes before we move on. So, anyway, um, yeah, we definitely got um, some things to get into. Let's see, what is the first thing? Um... All right, so I think the first thing we're going to quickly do is a quick little note about Florida. So, you know, a few weeks ago when we brought up that uh, Florida was trying to pass this just sick pro-pedophile bill, which would have allowed um, people to challenge um, female athletes' identities, you know, so that there'd be genital inspections. It was a blatant and obvious pro-pedophile bill. Well, thankfully, they have amended the bill. Um, there will be no more genital inspections. But unfortunately, they are about to sign into law an anti-trans bill anyway. You know, an anti-trans athlete bill anyway. So, no genital inspections, but for still going to ban trans athletes. So, that's great. Um, much more, Lots of great bigotry and... Um, uh, Florida right now. Anywho, um, another quick story that I just want to kind of briefly touch on is this one is from, uh, let's see. I don't know. Do I really want to read it? No, we're not going to read this one. But anyway, I, I am surprised at how little coverage I saw this in the LGBT media. Um, I saw, I, I actually had to go to Daily Kos to see this article. Um, I'm trying to decide, like, should I start linking, um, start putting links to these news stories in the, uh, description? If, if you want me to do that, um, just let me know. I might just start doing it anyway. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyhow, so yeah, um, so in Arkansas, you know, there was this, um, pro-trans parent, and he was opposing the anti-trans bill in Arkansas, and he got arrested for doing it. So he went 30 seconds over his allotted amount of time, and he got arrested for doing it. Got put in jail. Meanwhile, as the guy actually brought up, many anti-trans groups, um, let's see, what were the ones that he listed, um, in by name, um... Where was it? Um, 
She can see actually listed names of groups that actually got away with going way over for a lot of time and nothing happened to them. Oh yeah, um, Family Research Council and Alliance Defending Freedom. They were able to speak far beyond for a lot of time without arrest. Far beyond. But, it, but as soon as one pro-trans parent speaks out in favor of trans people, 30 seconds, oh, we gotta arrest you, you gotta be put in jail, you're a danger to society. Okay, this is, this is a warning. What they are doing here is warning you. No, you do not get to speak out for trans rights. This is a warning to all cis allies, to trans allies. Um, no, you, you don't get to speak out for trans people. Because here's the thing. They know that the trans community is not powerful enough, does not have the numbers to defend ourselves. And so what they are doing is nipping any ally um, opposition to these anti-trans bills in the blood. Like, okay, you can speak out for trans rights, but we are going to punish you for doing it. So are you sure you want to do it? You sure you want to have being put in jail on your record? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. And guess what? Most people are going to say no. Like, I got a family, got a business to run. I'm not going to put my neck out on the line for trans people. And, the, and for, for this, that's all this is. This is a horrifying warning shot saying, no, you don't have freedom of speech. No, you do not get to defend the minorities. You do not get to offend the oppressed, to defend the oppressed. Um, we, you, it is not allowed in this state. We will punish, we will punish minorities just for being minorities. And you are going to all suck it up and get over it. Um, and you do not get to speak out against our oppression without major consequences. So yeah, absolutely sickening what happened in Arkansas. You know, you know, it's so amazing how these conservatives are all pro pro free speech and anti cancel culture until it's something that they don't like. And it's Jalem shouldn't be allowed. Cancel that person. It's like none of these people actually believe a single fucking thing we're saying. They just want um, their approved speech and nobody else's. Like, none of these motherfuckers give a shit about cancel culture or... uh, Which is completely fake, by the way. I want to make that clear. There is no such thing as a cancel culture. It is a completely made-up reactionary um, phenomena, okay? Um, Basically, what it is... "Quote unquote cancel culture really is it's just you know consequences. You see something stupid, you say something racist, you say something bigoted, and people respond negatively. And these people believe that they have that you know they should get away with saying racist, transphobic, homophobic, you know whatever things, Islamophobic things without any consequences, right? And they blow back because there is no cancel culture. It's literally made up." But the right-wing reactionaries have repeated this lie of cancel culture so much that, you know, it's just accepted as true. And if you actually look at the facts, you know, it doesn't exist. It's literally just consequences for your actions. 
So yeah, you know, that that's the first thing. We gotta stop allowing and get away with this bullshit term cancel culture. And I, I need to do better at that too. You know, I often use that term despite the fact it's not a real thing. It's just straight up not. We gotta stop pretending, allowing and get away with claiming that cancel culture is real. It's straight up not. There's no such thing. Anywho. I... Now we're actually going to read a few articles. Um, so the first one we're actually going to read is from LGBTQ Nation. Um, LGBTQ protesters um, go through streets as part of a national, massive national strike in Colombia. As protests rock Colombia this week over tax reforms, LGBTQ people have led sizable contingents through the streets nationwide. Video posted to multiple social media sites show queer activists voguing their way through their way to justice as part of a national strike yesterday that shut the country down. Um, when I say yesterday, it was this, um, yesterday for this article. Um, when this article was written, would have been uh, Wednesday, April twenty eighth. Um, anyway, um, they shut the country down. Trans women dancing in the plaza were met with police with riot shields in one video. Protests broke out nationwide, and both videos were reportedly recorded in Bogota. By mid-afternoon, the protests in Bogota had turned violent as protesters set fire to police motorcycle in the militarized police force, shot tear gas into the crowd. Violence was also reported in other cities nationwide as residents took to the streets. Don't you just love it when police commit crimes against humanity? You know, commit war crimes. Because do you realize tear gas? Tear gas is banned in war. Like, you can't use that in war. But apparently using it against your own civilians, you know, whether it's here in America or Colombia, oh, that's perfectly fine. You can commit war crimes against your own people. That's perfectly fine. Ah, that's, that's cool. That, that's awesome. You see, it's so fucking disgusting. We got to ban tear gas use um, in policing. Like, worldwide. Especially here in America. Like, here in America, we love to talk about, you know, human rights abuses of other countries. And then meanwhile, we're probably, like, the greatest um, human rights abusers in the world. You know, like, I am trying to think of a single thing we don't abuse human rights in. Like, look at Yemen right now. We are actively aiding and abetting Taking part of a genocide in Yemen right now, along with Saudi Arabia. We put brown kids in cages at the southern border. Um, let's see. We shoot our own civilians um, for no reason. Literally, we teach cops, shoot first, ask questions second, as long as they're black. Um, let's see here. We purposefully make laws to make it, to make things worse for anyone who's not, you know, a straight white uh, male in society. Um, let's see. Kind of think. We we've 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 we 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 pull off coups in South America, South and Central America, pretty damn regularly. Uh, <laughs> Just saying, the CIA has a long storied history of coups in South and Central America. Um, and still are doing it, you know? 
Like, and, you know, and also we purposefully do everything we can to make sure more, um, socialist countries fail. Look at Venezuela, you know. Venezuela was thriving under Castro. And what happened? Well, we decided we didn't like that. And so we started doing uh, trade bar bar uh, is it trade embargoes? I believe it's called. But, you know, we stopped trade with him and got just about every other country in the world to stop trading with Venezuela. And then, of course, when the country inevitably collapsed because, well, nobody's trading with him, we go, see, see, Marxism fails, socialism fails. No, it didn't. So the reason it's failing is because you you got everybody in the world to stop trading with them, like... Any country where that happens to would fail. If every like every country in the world decided to stop trading with the U.S. today, we would collapse. Like, of course, duh. But you know, it's just, but you know, we 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 got to keep continue the, the the narrative that you know socialism doesn't work. You know, despite the fact Marxism does work. Oh God, what is that? Um, Thai community. There is a community in Thailand, Christian community in Thailand. Um, that's, 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 um, that's communist and it's working beautifully. Like it is a shining example of communism and how it can work. Um, I will try to link, um, the two videos about them and the comment section. I mean, that, that is the description. Sorry, not the comment section, the description. Try to link video, remember link videos to, um, on, uh, Christian communist group community in Thailand. Yes, Marxism works. They just want you to know about it and they'll do anything they can. The American capitalist empire um, will do anything they can to ensure that socialism fails. Anyway, let's uh, move on um, with the article. <clears throat> The Colombian protesters are angry about the quote-unquote unpopular tax reforms along with a number of, of her serious frustrations from the progress of the peace um, process to environmental concerns, according to Pagoda Post. And year closures, job losses, financial struggles for many Colombians, the tax reforms are rubbing salt in the wound. Moreover, it has provided a rallying cry and focus for people's COVID anger. LGBTQ people, and especially trans women, have faced outsized levels of violence recently in Colombia. A human rights report last year found hundreds of violent crimes against LGBT people in Colombia, including 63 murders in the first part of 2020 alone. 17 of those victims were identified as transgender women. Marriage equality has been legal in the country since 2016, and courts have protected transgender people's right to correct gender markers on their official identification. Anyway, so yeah, um, it's good to see the LGBT community being such a vocal point, being putting themselves on the front line for social change, you know. Um, it, 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 it's something... These are role models. That's all I can really say. Um, and also, good for Colombians. Like, why is, like, just about every other country in the world? Like, they will stand up to, like, just about every fucking injustice and risk jail time. Like, 
like even in Russia right now, you know, you look at Navalny, I believe his, I, I, I'm probably butchering the last name. I think it's like Navalny or something like that. You know, like, he's Putin's opposition. You know, like people are standing up and like protesting in Russia for him. Like all of them are getting their asses thrown into jail, you know. But, like, they keep doing it anyway because, you know, they actually give a shit about justice and freedom, you know? And, like, other countries, like, they will, they will fuck your shit up if they don't like the government, you know? Like, wasn't it Colombia last year? I could be wrong. I mean, pretty certain it was Colombia, but it, it might have been some other South American or, or, um, no, not South American. It would have been, I think it would have been a, um, Central American com company, but I think it was Colombia, where they literally set their parliament on fire and created guillotines, like, I'm sorry, but that's goals, like, why doesn't America do that, like, we need to really start standing up, like, we allow our government to fuck us over for, like, forever, and then finally, we'll, like, like after like you know like a like five hundred thousand infractions will finally do protests, you know. <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. America, land of the cucked, land of the will take over. We'll, we'll we'll bend over and take it, while every other country protests over just about everything, you know. <sighs> France, you know, they, 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 France borrows us against, like, everything. <sighs> like, seriously, like, we should be protesting over just about everything. Like, it's, it's so dumb. Anywho. Anywho. Yes, America. Landed a complacent. Anyway. Next story. LGBTQ Nation, um. Catholic high schools rebel after school board tells them they can't fly the pride flag in June. Nine Catholic high schools have pushed back publicly after the church school board told them they couldn't fly pride flags in June. The Holton Catholic School Board District in Ontario, Canada, made the decision earlier this week after a four-hour meeting and it was met with immediate backlash by students, faculty, and administrators. All nine of the district schools quickly turned to social media, tweeting out support for the LGBTQ community and a disagreement with the decision. Some, uh, some even changed for account logos to be rainbow-colored or quoted Bible verses about welcoming children. My classroom, whether it be face-to-face -face or virtual, will always be a safe space for each one of my students and fellow staff members to be exactly who they are. One teacher tweeted, um, tweeted, I will advocate for you. I will support you. I will accept you. You are beautiful as you are. Saint, God, every Catholic is going to jump on me for butchering this, this pronunciation. I am so sorry. I have no idea to pronounce it, but I'm going to make an assumption. Saint Ignatius? Ignatius? No, it would not be Ignatius because there's no, it's not A-W. So Ignatius? That's what I'm going off. Of Loyola tweeted, created in God's image and infinite love. Let's work to ensure Loyola is a place where everyone feels they belong. We have work to do to ensure everyone is treated with, truly treated with dignity, equity, and respect. We followed it up with a rainbow display of hearts. 
there's still a huge momentum going. There's still people in the community sending letters to the board, to our board trustees. Chris Kirsten Kelly, a Burlington student trustee, told CBC News. It's just really frustrating and goes to show that a lot of people don't want to to move forward and they're set in their ways trying and trying to defend the fact that 20 that the I have never seen this acronym before. I have, uh, what? I have heard this is a mistype or somebody just made up their own acronym for the LGBT community. I am going to read it anyway, but this has got to be a mistype. No, there's no way this is not a mistype. Um, Anyway, so we're just going to read it the way I think it's supposed to be written. LGBTQ plus community shouldn't be supported by the Catholic community. And it's just full of bigotry and hatred. It's not what the Bible says, which is true. The Bible is very pro-LGBT. I don't know how on earth you make an argument that the Bible isn't. There are no verses condemning gay people. There are no verses condemning trans people. There are just none. There are no verses condemning asexual people. It just doesn't exist. That, that, that verse doesn't exist. Um, but yet we pretend they do anyway because, well, political reasons. Anyway, so yeah, good for these Catholic schools stepping, standing up to, you know, for bigoted leaders. Like, what the fuck is wrong with the Catholic Church? Like, they're like so desperate to hold on to, like, obviously bullshit teachings from, like, forever ago, from, like, thousands of years ago. Without, you know, actually looking at things the way things are and updating their teachings along with the way things are, you know, actually are. Instead of trying to force reality to what they wish it was, like. Average Catholic that I've talked to, it's far more progressive than, you know, the fucking Vatican or, you know, any of these leaderboards or whatever the fuck. Like, so fucked up. Catholic Church needs to catch up with modern day. Um, I mean, the Catholic Church is just fucked up completely anyway, let's be honest, you know. All of our fucking sex scandals, you know, refusing to accept LGBT people, just, it's, it's fucked up what's going on. In the Catholic Church. They, they, they need reformers. It need, it, like, there needs to be a reformation within the Catholic Church. Anywho. Um, so we're actually going to read the final news article. Then there's actually a few things I kind of want to talk about. That I saw um, lately. I just kind of want to talk about. But this is going to be the final like news article. And of course, you know, we're going to end with a kind of a good news article here. Um, LGBTQ Nation. Teen becomes one of the first trans Eagle Scouts since trans ban, trans ban ended. 17-year-old Jace Keen has become the first out transgender Eagle Scout in a small town of Splendora, Texas. And maybe one of the first in the country. King has always, had always dreamed of becoming an Eagle Scout like his brother. But due to the Scouts' ban on transgender boys, he was not allowed to join until 2019. 
Because the Eagle Scout Award must be earned by the age 18, King had to move quickly. He worked with two different troops and was able to accomplish this feat in just over two years. Despite the fact that it usually takes between four and six. He did all of this while also having to confront discrimination and hate along the way. I have been berated and looked down upon by older adults who were associated with the Scouts, saying I shouldn't be there, King told ABC 13. That I should be in the Girl Scouts instead. ABC also reported that comments had to be turned off on a community Facebook page that shared the news of King's achievements after so many of them became hateful. But King's mom, Michelle, Michelin, Michelin, I'm not going to lie, never seen that name before, King, said that there's also been many positive messages and her son's strength has helped to change minds. I've seen a whole lot of backlash, but truth be told, when Jace became true to themselves, it made them stronger, a stronger person. In that right, as they became stronger, wiser people began to accept them just for who they are, his mother said. Photos shared with ABC show King beaming with pride as he finally achieves his goal. As Republicans across the country, including Texas, continue to target trans youth and discriminatory bills, King hopes this accomplishment can help other trans kids see that they can do anything. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are born as, or what you identify as. You can make great feats because it is possible for anyone, he said. Barriers have been sadly breaking into Eagle Scouts for the past few years. In 2017, they began allowing transgender boys. And in 2019, they decided to allow girls to join as well. A decision that led to a transgender teen becoming one of the first female Eagle Scouts. The Boy Scouts of America's changes to become LGBTQ inclusive has caused many religious groups, such as the Church of Latter-day Saints, to disavow the group. Many BSA chapters are funded by religious organizations, but the group pushed on and implemented changes anyway. So yeah, congratulations to Jace. What an accomplishment. Um, just stunning. Like, Congratulations for pushing through all of that. This is... I, I, like, I'm trying to think of the word I want to use. This is a role model, I guess, for, people, for you know, other trans youth to look up to. So, yeah. There we go. That's the end stand news portion of um, this episode. Hmm... All right, so let's talk about a few things I've seen lately. Um, this first one, we're not going to read the article at all. Um, literally, like, I've read the article, um, but there's no reason to read the article. The, the headline t- literally does actually tell you enough. Um, so it's a op-ed from Russia Today. If Forsater, sacked over transgender comments, loses tribunal appeal, no one with a job can claim to have free speech. The reason I'm not reading the article is because it's basically just every, because uh, they managed to throw every transphobic comment, every transphobic trope, every transphobic belief into one comment, into one article. And it is just rigging with transphobia. Um, and, you know, worshiping this person as a martyr. Um, like, there is no misstatement in this headline. Like, it's bas- it's literally is the whole premise of the article. Um, but yeah, so anyway. Uh, yeah, no, uh, if you have a job, you don't have free speech. 
when did we ever come up with this stupid ass notion? If you work for somebody else, you have free speech. I uh, know if you say something that makes that company look bad, they're going to get rid of you. This has been true for like, I don't know, forever. Like since when? Like when has a company allowed its employees to make them look bad? You know, without repercussion. And usually without firing. Answer. Oh, never? Hmm. Interesting. So what the fuck are you bitching about? I know, no. Um, if you work at a job, you don't have free speech. You can't say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> like, I don't know why this is such a hard concept to grasp. Like, of course you don't. Duh. Like what if you if the tribunal goes for her, what we're saying is no businesses. Uh, you you got to accept liabilities. If somebody's destroying your business, you got to keep them bored. Because that's what this is really about. Because remember, um, the company that um they that originally employed um Forsader was not just, she was a contractor. They signed a contract with her, and they decided just not renew the contract. They didn't fire her. They just didn't renew her, her contract because she was a contractor. So are you saying that, you know, if someone says something that looks bad to your business and for a contractor, well, guess what? You must re-sign them. Like, that, that's what the thing would say. No, there is no reason to rule in favor of her. This is blatant, obvious, you know... Property rights. This is the rights of the business owner. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, nobody, no, like nobody wants somebody who makes for company look bad working for him, you know. And I don't think coworkers like. And remember this: coworkers hated Forsater. You know, she was a menace to her own co-workers. Her own co-workers. She, she created a horrible work environment. This has been well documented. She made a... To she created a toxic environment there. Like, her own co-workers hated her. So what you're saying is... If somebody makes a toxic environment with her own co-workers. Everybody hates her guts. And then she makes comments that makes the workplace look bad. She... she they must be resigned. Yeah, okay, whatever. Whatever, Russia, today. Idiots. Um, let's see. Another one is from CBN News. Yes, Pat Robertson's um, quote-unquote news media. Um, so, yeah, this is from Dr. So, they interviewed Dr. Michael Youssef. Um who said, I'm going to find a direct quote in here. Um, okay, here we go. It's not the color of skin of the ethnic background or social status. It is on Jesus. Um, so he's talking about, you know, how we need to, quote unquote, refocus our message on Jesus, you know. And not, you know, color of skin of the ethnic background or social status. It is on Jesus. When you take your eyes off Jesus and you focus on the circumstances that surround us, this whole idea that we're woke, we realize that the world is made up of two people, the oppressed and the oppressors. We begin to 
Okay, yeah, um, we began to see people with those kind of prisms. That is a total false gospel, and we ought not to fall for a trap. This is bullshit. This is complete bullshit. If you are not lifting people up, if you are not advocating for liberation, for freedom, for people, for the oppressed, and uplifting them, what are you doing as a church? What was it that that Israel was so constantly, you know, punished for by God? Or, you know, like whenever God sent the prophets, what is the most reoccurring message that the prophets preach to the Jews? Stop oppressing. Stop oppressing the widow. Stop oppressing the fatherless. Then in Isaiah, stop oppressing the eunuchs. Stop oppressing the poor. Stop making laws that benefit only the powerful. Make life harder on those who have nothing. You know, that's why the most common message from the prophets were, what did God punish Sodom for? Oppression. Sodom oppressed its own civilians. That's what, if you read the Bible, that's what, it makes it pretty clear. That's what Sodom was punished for. It's not gay, but they were gay. There's no evidence of that. The sexual immorality that um, Sodom committed was rape, not being gay. But even then, what they were punished for was inhospitality and oppression. God does not, is very much against oppression. He does not stand for it. It's all throughout the Bible. Everywhere in the Bible. God is constantly speaking comfort. And you know. Letting the oppressed know. Hey help is on the way. I will free you. You know. And not only that. There are times when he says to oppress groups. You will have a better name. Than the non-oppressed in heaven. I, what the fuck that means, I have no idea, but sounds pretty damn good to me. And do you know what he says to the oppressors? Woe is you. Woe is you. You will be destroyed. I will not have mercy on you. Everything that you've done to, you know, those you oppress, I'm going to do to you many times over. So, yes, actually, sorry, social justice is a very integral part of the church. You can't have the church without social justice. It Social justice is the gospel. Like, the whole point of the gospel is liberation. Why did Jesus die for us? So we can be free. So we can be liberated. From sin. Even in his own death. The point of it was to free us. From the oppression. That is our sinful nature. Everything in the Bible. Is about liberation. About freeing us. Everything. And yet we're supposed to believe. That. The soul, so the, I mean, honestly, this is the greatest lie of evangelicalism. 
that social gospel, that social justice runs contrary to the gospel. No, it is the gospel. It is completely integrated with the gospel. You cannot understand the Bible at all without social justice. I, I don't even understand how on earth you could understand anything that happens in the Bible. How do you read the Bible without understanding that? They are intertwined. They are one and the Not only are they intertwined, they are one and the same. They are 100% in every way the same thing. The Bible is social justice. The Bible is liberation. The Bible is freedom. That's what the gospel is. God will not be mocked. And what Michael Youssef is doing right here, I want to make very clear. He is mocking God. I, 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 like, I do not want to be someone who's just so willy-nilly and condemning people, but I'm, I'm sorry. This is a mockery of God. When you say you're not supposed to focus on uplifting the oppressed. No, no. That, <laughs> no, we absolutely supposed to. We absolutely are. Where do you get that in the Bible that we're not supposed to do that? Where? Because I can point to you many verses. And that right now, I am reading through the Bible to list out every single verse that does it. And believe me, they talk about liberating, you know, and uplifting the oppressed. And condemnation upon the oppressors. And believe me, there's a lot. Do you know what I have yet to find? A single verse saying, yeah, don't, don't, don't uplift the oppressed, you know. Don't focus on, you know, helping create freedom. On, I, I've yet to see that verse. So no, what are you talking about, you like yourself? What you are preaching is, in fact, a false gospel. I want to make that very clear. And that's the problem of evangelicalism total. And I, I was actually texting a friend last night, right? a very good friend. And we were talking about the Bible, you know, and like we often do. And let me find a text message. Um, um, and we were talking about evangelicalism. Okay, yeah, so we are talking about, you know, so so we started talking about Josh Duggar, who got arrested for child porn. Um, not surprising, unfortunately. Uh, and I was talking about, you know, like, how it, these kind of people are what makes me embarrassed to call myself a Christian. Like, literally, the only reason I call myself a Christian online is just because, well, it makes it easier to find my contents. You know, like, just saying... Probably not too many people who are looking up for um, ramblings of a transgender follower of the way. Because that's what I, I personally identify in real life as, as a follower of the way. Um, you know, which was the original name for Christianity. You know, that's how I've always identified as in real life. But, you know, online, nobody's looking up for it, looking up, you know, ramblings of a transgender follower of the way. So I had to call myself ramblings of a transgender Christian. So I had to call myself a Christian online, unfortunately. 
Because believe me, I absolutely despise doing it because guess what? As soon as you say you're a Christian, everybody's like, oh, you're one of those. And I want to make it clear. I do the same thing. When I hear somebody tell me that we're a Christian, it's like, oh, you're one of those. Oh, staying away from you, buddy. Um, you know, but it's like, it's like, I don't want to be able to have that reaction because, you know, like, the sad thing is how non-Christians understand the Bible better than most so-called Christians. I saw this Twitter account, Right Wing Cope, uh, and they actually tweeted a very, per just the most perfect tweet ever. Let me, I actually took a screenshot of it. Um, where is it? Oh yeah, here we go. How do you still, how do you call yourself a Christian and still think Jesus was a capitalist? And here's the part that really fits in with what I'm trying to say here. Christianity really is a book club where no one actually reads the book. Exactly. I mean, it, no one reads the damn fucking Bible. Who does? Because believe me, these fucking evangelicals and concerted Christians, they certainly have not. I, like, how can you claim to read the Bible and still promote everything that you promote? Because the Bible is against everything that you promote. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. And so, yeah, you know, and, she, and my friend is like, yeah, you know, it's it's like us followers of the way virtually have a literal different religion. And here, here was my response. Honestly, the more I study scripture and see what evangelicals say, the more I think we are in different religions. When I read the Bible, it's all about love and liberation. I mean, look at the two most important commandments according to Jesus. You know, love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. You know, love. Um, and um, it's all about, um, let's see, in what Israel was condemned for whenever the prophets were sent. Oppression. Meanwhile, evangelicals preach conformity, consolidation of power with rich, straight, cisgender white men, and at worst, hatred, at best, distrust of the outgroup. We see God as two completely different gods. Our gods are not anywhere close to the same. They see God as vengeful and demanding conformity, and the earth to be quote-unquote pure. We see God as love, pure love, one who sets the prisoner free, the one who guides us into peace, one who guides us, who died for us to give life. Completely different gods. That's the sad truth, you know. When I started this podcast, I think it was probably my very first podcast episode, maybe, maybe it was the second, I don't know. Where I talked about, you know, how I would still take communion and do all these things with evangelicals. The more I study the Bible, the more I read writings from, you know, from other theologians who aren't cisgender rich white men. The more I actually read the fucking Bible, the more I realize they are, I don't know how they call themselves Christians. I don't know if I could ever have communion with these people. You know, I would still do it to set a Christ-like example. But I would not do it 
under any illusion. I am doing it with brothers and sisters in Christ. Because all they believe in is hatred and, and or distrust of the outgroup. Of oppressing others. Which runs contrary to everything the Bible says. You know, and I want to make something clear. Being, you know, hating is not in a... Okay, this is a very nuanced discussion. I recognize that. Having hate in your heart does, does not necessarily make you automatically a non-Christian. The difference is, does your theology teach hatred of others? Teach the dehumanization of others? Versus, you struggle with hatred. You know? Like, I have struggled with hatred in my heart at times. And I still do every now and then. But you know what? I I ask, you know, I, why I, do, I, try, I repent of it. I ask the Lord to help me get over this hatred, you know, figure out what it is that needs to be plucked out of my heart. What is the root of this? You know, how do I get over this hatred? Ask for repentance. I ask for forgiveness. Evangelicals, or really any kind of Christianity that teaches, you know, you know, you know, homosexuals or sodomites, you know, or destroying this country, you know, Mexicans are rapists, uh, liberals are destroying this country, you know, just like this, you know, um, worship guns, you know, buy as many guns as possible, um, it is, it is a feature, not a bug, hatred that is, hatred is a feature, not a bug, I don't think God had boot you out of the kingdom just for struggling with hatred. It is, you know, it is hard to, it, it is easy to fall into hatred and hard to get out of. Believe me, I know. So on one hand, I do have some sympathy for evangelicals. The problem is, once again, it's a feature in verfiology, not a bug. I don't see too many evangelicals repenting of racism. I don't see too many evangelicals repenting of her LGBT phobia. I don't see too many evangelicals repenting of her Islamophobia. If I do something that's racist or say something that's harmful or hateful and you call me out, you know what? Maybe at first I'm going to be a bit pissed at you for calling that out. But eventually, I am going to ask for repentance and forgiveness, you know. When I, so a few years ago, I, I began hate, literally hating cisgender people. I was, you know, I had not quite transitioned yet. So I would, um, and I was super dysphoric. My church was super anti-trans. And I was starting to believe that um, you could not be a Christian and you know, be trans. That's where I was. And I, and cisgender people had hurt me so much, that I began literally hating cisgender people just for being cisgender, because I was so sick and tired of the harm that had been caused me just for being trans by cisgender people. You know, for maybe it went me like a few, several weeks, I literally lived in hatred of anyone who was cisgender. It was wrong. 
And all the time, I knew it was wrong. And I just kept asking the Lord, deliver me from this. Lord, deliver me from this hatred. Trying to break out of that hatred. Asking for repentance. It's something I am deeply ashamed of today. And you know what? There are times when I still am threatened with that same hatred. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend that you know, this is 100% totally a thing of the past. There are still times when I struggle with hatred. When I, you know, when a cisgender person says something just fucking transphobic. And I just, it, 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 you start feeling those old hateful feelings start rising up again. And you know what? This happening is sometimes I kind of entertain those thoughts for a bit. You know, before I finally kind of come to my senses and realize shamefully that I need to, you know, repent of that, you know, ask for forgiveness and repent. You know, I'm not going to lie. There are still at times when I say, when I will think something racist, you know. I am a recovering racist. I'm not going to lie, I am. You know, I was, you know, my parents purposely raised me, you know, to be quote-unquote colorblind. And you know what? For a long-ass time, I was. It wasn't until, you know, the Ferguson, until, you know, the Ferguson, um, Michael Brown, that is, um, when Michael Brown was shot, that I actually started having racial consciousness. You know, um... But even before and I think about it, I was very anti-immigrant. So I guess I, you know, I guess I wasn't completely colorblind. Maybe I didn't see them as for color, but I was super anti-immigrant at the time. So I don't know. That's a discussion for another day. Um, but you know, and but at the same time, it's not like I was completely, you know, I never had any, you know, never absorbed any of society's racist teachings, you know. I still learned, you know, that, you know, quote-unquote bad neighborhoods, you know, are black neighborhoods, you know, and I associated the two. Oh, there's a bunch of black people in this neighborhood. It must be a bad neighborhood, you know. Those were things that I learned subconsciously through what culture taught, you know. Um, you know, I was taught, you know, Black man walks down the street, you cross the street. These are all things I taught. And you know what? I'm still struggling to, or, you know, to get over this social conditioning. It's not easy. So I want to make this clear. Just struggling with hatred, just struggling with racism, just struggling with transphobia does not make you a non-Christian. If you reckon, you know, because, you know, because if you recognize it's wrong and are actively working on overcoming this, you know, you are repenting of this thing, you know. And as long as you also don't know that it is, I don't know. I guess if you've never been told that it's racist, you know, I was never told. Growing up, that you know, um, viewing black men as dangerous, you know, just subconsciously was racist. I was never told that growing up. I didn't find that out until I was an adult. 
you know, I don't think when I read the Bible, I don't see the way I read it is that something is not a sin until you know it's a sin. You know, but the thing is, a lot of these things, we, we've told the evangelicals, hey, that's racist. Hey, that's transphobic. You know, like, I knew many of my beliefs were homophobic. I knew many of my beliefs were transphobic. And I still promoted them anyway. So, you know what? I am in, still very much a recovering homophobe. I am a recovering transphobe. You know? I was raised with explicitly homophobic views, and I knew that. I knew they were hateful views, and I still pushed them anyway. I want to make it clear, I don't think I was a Christian during that time, because I wallowed in my hatred. You know? I viewed it as a good thing. I viewed it as a feature, not a bug. So I want to make this clear. It's not like I am so much holier than thou art than these evangelicals. I know exactly, you know, I know where they kind of come from, but that's the problem. Like, I knew what I was saying was homophobic back in the day. I knew all that stuff. I knew the stuff I said was Islamophobic. And I still said it anyway. So, yes. I was sinning. During that time, you know, all those years when I said homophobic things, knowing they're homophobic. I was sinning. I see. So yeah, I want to make this. So yes, I, I I'm saying all this to make something very clear. This is not just somebody just condemning evangelicals willy nilly. I recognize there is some nuance to this, and I one hundred and I am someone who genuinely understands where we're coming from. I understand evangelical thought. I was raised in it. I was raised to see gay people as subhuman. I was raised to see trans people as subhuman. I was raised subconsciously to see black men as dangerous. I was raised to see immigrants as a danger to society. I was raised to see, uh, you know, anyone to the left of Ted Cruz as, you know, um, spawn of Satan. I understand where this comes from. I understand the thought process. My problem is that this is what is being taught as a feature, not a bug. I don't think that hatred as a bug is necessarily a disqualifier as long as you recognize it's a bug. The problem is when you see hatred as a feature. Anyway, I hope I kind of made myself clear on this. Um, I have no idea. So, holy shit, have I been recording um, for for almost an hour? Holy fuck. I'm trying to decide, is there even a point in taking a break at this point? Like, not like I have a whole lot to talk about, um, in, 
the second for the second segment. I I really don't. You know what? We're, we're, we're just going to go one full segment today. This is just going to be one long-ass segment. I am going to play the commercial um, at the beginning of the episode. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We are just going to, you know, go for it. So, um, we are probably going to shorten the entertainment section a little bit because now I realize how long this has been going on. A little bit tired, but once again, not like I had a that long of a entertainment section to begin with. So, um, let me see here. Uh, fuck. Okay. I'm trying to think, what was I going to talk about for the, um, second segment? Ah, fuck. Uh, actually don't remember. Uh, I mean, I remember the two segments I wanted to do. Uh, <sighs> I don't really feel like talking about... Okay, so I was originally going to kind of talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 1 and um, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planet or the Thousand Planets or whatever. We're not. Um, I'm not even going to touch those. Um, to be honest, not like I would have a lot to say about them anyway. So, yeah, like I said... They, the second segment was always going to be pretty damn short. So we're just going to go into our two closing segments. Um, Alright, so this episode's um, question from our, from the Reddit forum, um, Ask Transgender. Um, so this thread is titled... Did anyone else feel weird being correctly gendered for a while? Immediately coming out, for a while, immediately coming out. Sorry for the awkward phrasing. This was weird to word. Um, I came out about six weeks ago, male to female. Um, it still feels weird to see here feminine pronouns in reference to me. I'm secure on my identity, and I'm confident in where I want to go, but on some level, there's some second-guessing and intrusive thoughts that come up when I very hear quote-unquote correct terms. It doesn't help that I still haven't brought up my new name with my family, and have to hide everything about being trans from a couple of people in my life, so there's a lot less consistently see, and I feel like I can't put quote-unquote him behind me. Um, let's see. So yeah, I'm first before I give my answer to this, I'm actually gonna read a comment that I basically that basically says my give it's basically my answer, and I'm gonna kinda of expound on for answer as my answer. So um so yeah, so one user responded, um, I'm four years in, cis passing and quote unquote post transition. And even though ma'am, miss, darling, um, love, honey, etc. barely even register anymore. <clears throat> I still get that weird feeling whenever I hear someone referencing me and use she and her. It's weird in a positive way, but it's definitely still weird. Okay, I, I actually really do relate to that, you know. Um, don't really, like, when somebody calls me ma'am or miss, I don't generally... Um, notice, you know, darling, love. Now, honey, I actually kind of notice. I actually really like being called honey. Um, that's probably my favorite thing to be called, if I'm being honest. So I kind of still notice that one, but 
yeah, like, you call me ma'am or miss, you know, unless it's someone, you know, who didn't call me that in the past, um, I'm not, I don't really notice it, you know, and for reference, I've, I've been transitioning for, uh, about one, about one year and one and a, in about one and a half months, you know, so, um, yeah. But, yeah, definitely, when somebody refers to me as she and her, I take notice. I still notice that. Um, definitely. I, I, I definitely totally still notice that. Um, my, my ears take, my mind takes notice and gets a little bit of euphoria from that. Every damn time. Every damn time. So, let's see. What were some of the other um, interesting answers? Um Okay, so yeah, there's this other answer. As soon as I came out to came out, my mom started using she her pronouns, and once I picked a new name, she started using that. My friends has started using the new name and pronouns as well. Imposter syndrome is real. It feels uncomfortable all the time, and there's a strange mix of thinking. I'm duping all my friends, and they're only doing this to be nice. Oh yes, I totally relate to that. Okay, I, oh God, yes, especially early on in transition or pre-transition, I totally always was thinking, you know, those who were affirming, for only calling me she, her, or by my chosen name, just to be nice, uh, especially early on transition and pre-transition, like, oh my gosh, I totally, totally relate to that in every way, oh my gosh, yes, 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 yes. Anyway, um, it has been getting better over time, though, and I've spoken to enough trans folk that have gone through it, but I know it's not just me. It's a natural thing when you change any part of yourself to feel strange for a while afterwards. Anyway, and I, like, you know, and I've seen people in this thread, you know, talk about, like, how it's, like, for, like, seven years in transition, and they're still surprised when they hear, um, pronouns you. So, like, I don't know, like, how, like... If any of you have been transitioning for like a decade plus, I have no idea. But to like, if any of you listening have been transitioning for like more than a decade, you know, maybe ten years or more, like, is this something that still affects you? Like, do you still like go, oh, they call they they, they call me in the correct pronouns? Like, do you still take any notice when you get gendered correctly? Like, I want to know. Like, is this something that? really takes a fucking long time to get over or is this something that you know you kind of got out of pretty quickly and easily i don't know i i, I actually genuinely want to know the answer to this because it's so fucking weird like the gender consciousness is so real it's so fucking real um but yeah so um there's that. I, I think that was everything I really wanted to talk about from that thread. So, yeah. Um, let's just go ahead and end with our good news story of the episode. So, this is from Good News Network. Um, the article is, she's starting college at age 12 with plans to be a NASA engineer. Over the course of the pandemic, the landscape of education has drastically changed, but it hasn't kept one brilliant girl whose dreams have never been earthbound from reaching for the stars. While most preteens are navigating the challenges of middle school, at age 12, Alina 
NLA, I'm going to that, um, has already earned her high school diploma and is set to attend Arizona State University via remote learning in May. Just a reminder, she's age 12. 10 years younger than me. <laughs> Holy fuck. Um, I feel very unaccomplished right now. Like, I feel very unaccomplished right now. I uh, seen, you know, considering that, you know, what have I done at 22? Um, went homeless, still have no job about six months into, you know, more than six months into my, you know, being 22. Um, yeah, don't, and seeing somebody 10 years younger accomplishing all this, it's just like, oh my God. Yeah, I, 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 I feel very unaccomplished at the moment. Um, anyway. <laughs> With a planned double major in astronomical, planetary science, and chemistry, Elena's goal is to become a NASA engineer by the eight time she's 16, where she hopes to employ her extraordinary skills to build rovers like the ones sent to Mars on missions. I'll be driving one of those future space mobiles by the time I graduate college, she told ABC News. A heady goal, perhaps, but according to Alina's mom, Daphne McCorder, her daughter had already set her sights on a career with the space agency when she was a little girl. She would always say, Mommy, I'm going to work for NASA, McCorder told Good Morning America. Then she would start saying, I'm going to be the youngest black girl to ever work for NASA. Watch. Elena's space odyssey began with, with her early passion for Lego building toys, from which she's built intricate models of everything from the Taj Mahal, the Disney Castle, and the Millennium Falcon, to the Apollo 11 rover, and the NASA rocket. When I was little and I had Legos, I did Bionicles. <laughs> that was like as complex as I got. I think Axion, uh, Axion, Axiom, I don't remember the name of the Bionicle exactly. It was like the most complex Lego thing I ever built. And she was building the Taj Mahal. I, I, I just can't. I, I just can't. Um, designing things and bringing her visions to fruition is the core of what makes this genius tech. But her, asked, but her astute scientific mind has led Alina to be a keen observer in other facets of life as well. Seeing the disparity in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, opportunities for women and people of color, Elena wanted to become an engine for social change as well. With her mom's help and encouragement, Elena launched a Brown STEM Girl website to encourage other girls with similar interests to focus on fields from which they've been historically excluded. Along with her college curriculum, Elena has several projects and works. One, a children's book she titled plans to title Brainiac World, putting a positive spin on the nickname kids used to tease her with, and a STEM-centric podcast, for which she hopes to land an interview with space pioneer Dr. Mae Jemison. Um, it's an impressive list of accomplishments, but more than anything else, Elena hopes to serve as an example to other girls not to let the preconceived notions of others keep them from dis defining their own destinies. It doesn't matter what your age or you're planning to do, she told ABC. Go for it. Dream, then accomplish it. While no specific announcements have been made, NASA has already reached out to the 12-year-old Texas prodigy. Our guess is Elena's future is going to be out of this world. 
So yeah, beautiful article, um, just amazing story, and you know what, props to Elena. She knew what she wanted from an early age, and she is going all out to get it. That That is goals. That is just straight up goals, and very much an inspiration, you know, just... I'm sorry, I still can't get over grad- like going to college at age 12, like... I didn't go to college until I was, what, trying to think, how old was I when I went to college? Uh, I think I technically started when I was 18, but, you know, like, I only went to college for, like, a month before I turned 19. And even then, I was not ready for college. Like, I dropped out after a year and a half, like... And she's doing this at 12, you know, it's it's weird for me. You know, like I've got in my family several people who are very who are you know like I don't know if they're technically considered geniuses or not. Like, so I'm not gonna say that for geniuses, but they are very very intelligent. Like, I'm just saying, like, their IQs are really high, and you know they really do have like the pick of any college. Like, I'm talking like you know Ivy League schools have reached out to these people, you know, to family, these family members. Like, I, like, I, like, there are several family members who are that brilliant. Like, you know, once again, I don't know if the word genius necessarily applies to them. Um, but if they're not geniuses, they are very close to that. Because once again, you know, like, Virgo, like, they, they, they have to pick up any school pretty much they, there is. And, they're like they they can eat they are very very easily going to be able to chase after jobs that pay quite well um they have that kind of smarts and you know it's just it's amazing to watch when you know when you have several prodigies in your own family because i mean they really are um they're just certain things that they are just so damn brilliant and and you're just like how do you know so much about one thing? Like, how are you, and, you know, and some of them, man, one of them is like brilliant and just about everything. It's just like, I don't understand how you do it. Like, how are some people so damn smart? Like, it's amazing to me. Like, it's amazing because I am not a smart person. Um, okay, like, like, I'm not even joking about that. Like, I am actually straight up not a smart person. I am very much one of those people who just kind of got passed along, you know, um, I'm not joking when I say I could not pass third grade English. Um, like I like like I like I suck at science, uh, math. Oh God, don't even get me started. I struggle with long division, um, in math. Like I'm not joking. I can't even pass grade school. Like I'm not, like that's how dumb I am. Like, I'm not joking. Like, if you were to actually, like, do actual schooling for me, and, like, where you can't go from one grade to another, you know, without actually mastering everything, I would still probably be in grade school. Like, I'm not even joking. I am really fucking stupid. The only reason, you know, my grade looks even remotely okay is because of history. So I, I actually am really damn good at history. Um, uh, let's see. Because, I don't know, I, I always just loved history. Like, I think the lowest grade I ever got in history was, like, 106. So, um, like, I'm good at history, 
but that's like it. Um, like, like, I'm not joking. Like, it's always been kind of on my mind for years. Like, even back in like middle school. Like, maybe go to college for history. But then I found out that like most of the time, like, like pretty much the, the, like if you're gonna be a if you're gonna get a college degree, like pretty much the most that you're probably ever gonna get out of it is to be a you know history teacher. But even then, schools don't hire you just to teach history. Like they usually require you to also be like the basketball coach or something like that. It's just like, eh, eh, eh. Apparently, it's very hard to capitalize on a history degree, so it's just like, eh. I'll just skip out. <laughs> um, but. No, because I, I, I just love history, and that's really the only reason, like, because, like, I don't know, like, it's not like history necessarily sticks in my mind, like, most of the stuff I learned about history goes out, but, like, it's something I am really fascinated with, like, when you present it, like, if you put a history book in front of me, I'm gonna read it, but I am not that smart of a person, like, you're the, you know, yeah, I'm not that smart of a person, like, I am pretty fucking stupid, <laughs> In just about everything. Um, if you put somebody with even just like a mid-tier IQ, they are going to stomp me in just about anything. So, you know, so it, it, I am like, I like, I am very much kind of in awe of those who are actually intelligent, especially because most of my family is actually kind of intelligent, you know, and even those who aren't like would, would never be considered like brilliant necessarily. Like they still know things like my dad, like, he is good, like, he is really good of English, you know. He, he, like, in fact, he's an English teacher, which is why I'm, one of the reasons why I'm such a shame to the family, because, well, I, 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 I struggle with, you know, with schoolhouse rock levels of grammar basics. Like, I'm not joking, like, schoolhouse rock is to, it is, is, like, above my head, like, when it comes to grammar. Like, that's literally how terrible I am at English. Like, I am not good at it. And yet my dad is, like, an English teacher. So, you know, that that, that goes over well. Um, you know, like, I don't know shit about science, you know. Don't know shit about math. And yet we got, like, so many mathematicians in the family. Like, I'm not joking. Like, we got, like, math. We got a math professor. We got, like, um, you know, we, we've got a lot of people who really are good at math. And then there's me. You know, like... I struggle with, like, third grade math on Khan Academy, you know. It's like, my, my, a lot of my family are really, you know, even if they're not, you know, most of my family are not, like, brilliant, like, geniuses, but, like, they're smart, you know, they are genuinely smart. And then there's me. Very much the dumbass of the family who doesn't, like, know anything. You know, and couldn't even pass, who, if I were put into an actual school that doesn't just, you know, if I were, you know, not just, like, pass along because of how our school system works, even for homeschooling, like, you know, in homeschooling, that still very much happens, really, because, well, the state wants you to keep up with, you know, your same-aged peers, and so, like, I was very much passed along, even in homeschooling, because that's how I was schooled, I was homeschooled, you know, um, you to put me in a school where you can actually pass things, I'd still be in grade school. I am really fucking dumb. It's like, I am very much in awe of anyone who has even an ounce of intelligence. Anyway. 
just crazy. Just, just, that, that, that story is just beyond crazy to me. I just can't even imagine. I, I like how long have I been talking about myself for this? Anyway, this is embarrassing. Um, I am actually genuinely embarrassed uh, right now. Anyway, um, we're gonna end this episode now. Um, if you listen via a uh, podcast platform, please review this episode and share it if you would. Um, you know, if you're listening on YouTube, like, comment, share, subscribe. Um, if you enjoy my content, support it on Patreon, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. If you do it on Patreon, you can get things like podcast episodes early, videos early, and other rewards. Um, of course, email me um, with comments and questions. Um, send in a voice message um, that can be played on the podcast. And yeah, have a wonderful day, everyone. Peace.